Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Well, Drew, uh, we've got a lot of interesting tournament results so far. We're well into the fall 2022 season, and, and we've got a ton of invitationals that have uh, gone through over the last month or so. We know that the AMTA community has been closely watching all of those results. And every fall, we really do try to have the opportunity to get a guest on to talk about some of those results. And that's what today's episode is, uh, really just digging into the fall 2022 season so far. I know since the last time that we talked about tournaments, Drew, uh, we've hosted our tournament. You all at Haverford hosted the Black Squirrel Invitational. So how has the fall Invitational season been going for you and, and for Tulane and for everyone that you're involved with? So I think that it has been definitely really, really fun to just get back into getting mock trial results that are not, uh, at least all that I know of have been in person. Um, that's just so cool to me. And for the last few years, you know, we've had some virtual resu- results, some in-person results, but it's cool to see us get back to that. I've been really excited to be getting to actually uh, watch some of these rounds, getting to uh, be a part of teams that are competing um, or, you know, helping coach them. But that's been a lot of fun for me. As you just said, we just finished up kind of, in my mind, the main like kind of fall circuit before most teams stack. So I think all of these results, you kind of always need to have a bit of a, you know, caveat to them that most teams aren't stacked yet, but I still think it's a really great chance for people that are getting a lot of awards to shine. It's a way to get to see who are going to be the teams that are really deep. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think that there's something beautiful about these really early invites where teams that really prep crazy hard for them and are already super polished and impressive. To me, that can sometimes be a better guide to who's going to be good at the nationals prep more so than who can be good after months and months and months of drilling, drilling, drilling and can be great at orcs. So not that the teams that we talk about are are the teams we think are going to win nationals, but I always think that's a good caveat to give. Um, But Ben, obviously you've compete, you've been going around the circuit a lot too. Um, Any, any general thoughts you have? Yeah, it's been a really interesting fall so far. We'll get into the specific results with our guest in just a moment here, but uh, we hosted Charm City uh, in mid to late October. I've been around. I was at Mumbo Jumbo, hosted by Tufts. I was at Tobacco Road, hosted by Duke. Uh, and we've had a really great time. I think this case is very interesting. I think it's playing out in some really unique ways that we can get into. Uh, and I just I find myself thinking that this is a case that is going to continue to evolve. I feel like the trials that I saw at Charm City pretty significantly different from the trials that that I saw at Duke just two weekends later. And so I really think every weekend teams are like, oh, that that team did that cool thing. We're going to change this. And then, you know, the other team does the same thing. And everybody's kind of cycling through and trying to trying to find that right path. So it's been a really interesting invitational season. And I'm excited to discuss some of the results that we have so far. Yeah, I mean, the thing I'll say quickly on that by nature of having so many options for different defenses to run, I really, I agree with what you said. I'm sort of seeing these trends where people are starting with one theory, then they're hearing another that, that you know, is very popular and everyone's kind of adapting to that. And my guess is that, you know, come December, come January, there might be a new theory that crops up by regionals. There might be a third, like I, I it's a lot of fun. It, it keeps you on your toes. And I think it's 
showing that the teams that are able to come up with the new better thing are going to be really, really successful. But um, I think that both Ben and I often have always competed in some of the same circles. And we often talk about how we try to get uh, other people on the podcast to talk about some of these results because other people go to other tournaments, they have different perspectives. And we are really, really happy to have someone really special on the podcast today. We are joined by South Carolina's own Ben Wallace. Um, For those of you that don't know, Ben Wallace has been the president of South Carolina's program for the last two years. He has awarded at every single tournament he's been to, which is a long list, including the Colonial Classic, the Peach Bowl, and the Capital City, um, which is a lot of tournaments for how far into the season we already are. Um, But he's won many awards in past years as well. I know I got to watch him at Black Squirrel last year, and he was phenomenal. He won two awards there. Um, Really a all-around great competitor and definitely a friend of the pod. So Ben Wallace... Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I'm really, really excited to, to be on the pod. I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. All right, so I'm going to try my best to, whenever I refer to Ben Wallace, say his last name. And whenever I refer to Ben Garmo, I will refer to his name because <laughs> this is a unique problem that we don't often have. But Ben Wallace, as I'm sure you would have expected, first question. What is your origin story in mock trial? How did you get involved in this activity that we have somehow been talking about for 76 episodes now? Yeah, no. um, So I I got involved in in mock trial um, in middle school, which is crazy to say. But the reason I got involved in it is is because of my, my mom. She was a high school teacher and she coached the high school mock trial team that my middle school like basically went into. Um, and after school, I went to a lot of her, her practices and I went to pretty much all of her team's tournaments. And I think I started asking so many questions that it kind of annoyed them. And, and my mom was eventually like, well, wh- why don't you just start a-, a team on your middle school in your middle school? Because South Carolina, the South Carolina Bar Association has middle school and high school mock trial. So I got with a bunch of my friends, went to our English teacher, um, and we started up a middle school mock trial team. And it was as much fun as it sounds, but I, I had a great time. So I kind of just stuck with it, did it the next year in middle school, did it all through high school. And now I'm on my fourth and final year at uh, South Carolina. So that's, that's pretty much how I got started. You know, I got to say, I don't think we have that many people who've started in middle school. I think I, I don't recall exactly, but I think you might've been the first. Um, and funny enough, when you were competing in middle school, I don't know whether you knew or not, but I feel like that is around the time that a very, very famous competitor <laughs> with the same name was competing in college. That I might be a few years off because, but either way, you get what I'm getting at, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you got to tell us. I mean, what's it like going in and, and being the new Ben Wallace? Um, it's, it's certainly an experience. I, uh, I get the, the question a lot from a lot of people who know a lot about mock trial, especially like the early 2010s, late 2000s mock trial. Um, but it's, it's funny. I, I specifically remember this is goes back to like, I think a podcast that you guys made in like 2020, where you <laughs> mentioned the fact that I was named after someone from the university of Virginia, but I get it a lot. I also get, um, the, the basketball player from uh, the Pistons, Ben <laughs> oh, Wallace, sure, quite sure. a bit. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you're a little so. bit nicer than him. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. 
You know, it's it's yeah. very funny. I mean, I'll, I'll quickly say this before I turn it over to Ben Garmo, but um, Ben Wallace is one of those, you know, almost storied competitors that the fact that we all know who that is. And, and I think many people have, have seen him compete. For those of you that have no idea what we're talking about, I really invite you to go back and look. Um, I don't know what of it is publicly available, but if you watch some of the final rounds that involved UVA um, going back a few, uh, going back kind of a good number of years ago, you're going to see this truly fantastic competitor uh, named Ben Wallace. And I think most people would agree he is, he's one of the greatest of all time. And I know I've watched him and learned a ton from him, but I, I have to say you do the name justice. I mean, you are really, <laughs> really fantastic. And, and that is not a, a light compliment. I appreciate it. I think one of Ben Wallace's public films is like the Top Gun final round that he had. So yeah. if anyone wants to go watch him, he's, he is an excellent competitor. Yeah, the, the Top Gun, he has two Top Gun final rounds that I use sometimes. My personal favorite clip of his that I use is actually on YouTube. If you YouTube um, Mock Trial Downtown Invitational Closing, one of my favorite things about this video is it's Ben Wallace and Rahul Hari um, competing against one each other, once competing against each other in undergrad, closing against each other in a round at the downtown in the Dawson case, which was my first mock trial case. They would then go on to compete against each other in consecutive Top Gun finals, where <laughs> Rahul won in 2015 and Ben won in 2016. Both are just spectacular trials. Um, but I, I also totally agree uh, with Drew's sentiment to to you, our Ben Wallace, the Ben Wallace on the show, that you're certainly living up to the name and, and you're making a name for yourself as a competitor. Uh, one of the questions that I have for you, though. So South Carolina mock trial. I feel like over the last couple of years, South Carolina has really entered into the lexicon of like, this is a nationals program. This is an incredibly high quality program. I think you all are dynamic. I think you are really fascinating in the way that you approach things. You're not willing or you're not scared to sometimes take risks or try interesting characters. I think at one point, you know, UMBC in South Carolina had like the dueling uh, old ladies who might have been the two best old lady uh, <laughs> witnesses on the circuit. So break it down for me. What's it like competing at South Carolina and what's how does the South Carolina program work? Yeah, so I um, I mean, I can't say enough good things about South Carolina's program. It, it's been a home for me for the last four years of my my college career. Um, it's where my best friends are. Um, and it's it's genuinely a really, really incredible program. Um, in terms of the, the logistics for it, we have four teams that compete in the fall and then four teams that compete in the spring. Um, we are a student-run executive board, but we also have coaches. Our coaches are Chance Stirrup. We've also had uh, quite a bit of help from Ria Lakaraju from Emory this uh, semester. Um, and it, I mean, we pretty much go to invites all over the country, wherever we can find it. And we compete about in three invites in the fall per team. and then one or two invites in the spring per team. Um, and it's been a, an incredible experience. I've been uh, in the program for the last four years. I've been the president of it for two. And it, I, I loved every second of it. Yeah, it's, it's. I feel like, so So I, I, I don't remember if you and I ever crossed paths, but you know, I've mentioned on the podcast before that I am to rep uh, at your regional two years in a yep. row, the first two years that I interrupt. And I had a blast. I, I didn't know anything about your program. I, I'm not <laughs> sure if we'd interacted much at all before I went there. And I had such a great time. You all were so welcoming and friendly. So tell me a little bit more. You, you were talking about your program culture and, and how you all do things. I think that South Carolina, if I were to attribute 
like a sort of a a description to you all. I feel like you all are memorable. You really you you get out there and you know you you try interesting theories and interesting witnesses. So what is it about your program culture that you feel like produces the national reputation you all have as like one of the most interesting and dynamic teams that's out there on the circuit? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure there's really any, any one thing that we can point to and say this is why we do crazy things, but I think it's I genuinely... didn't say crazy things to be very clear. You said that, <laughs> not me. No, no. I I they they're definitely some some crazy things. We've we've run some crazy demos in the past. Um but I, I think it's just because we all really, really enjoy this activity and we spend a lot of time together because we do enjoy the activity. And some crazy ideas just come out of the discussions and we're like you know what why why not run it this is invitational season or this is before regionals we want to see if it works and then typically it ends up working so we start running it at regionals and orcs um but i I genuinely just think it's because we have a a really strong program dynamic um we spend a lot of time to with with each other and as i'm sure all programs do and i don't know i i think a lot of really creative and interesting mock trial ideas come out of programs that have pretty positive atmospheres. And I think that, that we have a a pretty positive atmosphere. And I think, um, we do a good job of looking into cases and trying to find out things that, that are different things that will surprise judges or, or make them turn their heads or make them open their eyes. Um, we at one point had like an oven in the the <laughs> the Atlanta Orcs, and I, I remember that being on confessions um, that we tore apart. And, and it it's just we have fun with it, and I think that it at some points turns a little crazier uh, out there, which which I like. Yeah, Ben, I, I'm glad you brought up the oven demonstrative because Chance and I exchanged some messages about that, and and I have tremendous respect for him as a coach. He's one of my favorite coaches to see out on the circuit, and you all are always a ton of fun. And I really agree. I obviously don't know your program culture as well as you do, but every time I interact with your teams, I really enjoy it. I really, I think we get better at UMBC when we play you all, but also I just think that you're like a fun group of people to talk to and to interact with. So I, I totally agree with that, and I think that that makes a lot of sense in terms of you know, how South Carolina has gained the reputation that you have. And I just want to take the smallest amount of credit because I'll do that whenever I can and I get to. (laughs) But I remember like maybe like three years ago um, before South Carolina became, as Ben Garmo just described, uh, kind of a nationally recognized program. And I saw you guys compete at, I think it was Yale um, and maybe another tournament after that. And I was like, these guys are really good. Like this program knows what it's doing. And I think they're going to be really good. So, I mean, for whatever it's worth, I called it. Um, <laughs> and I, I'll just add that um, I, I really wanted to echo something that you were saying, Ben Wallace, about having fun with this activity. Um, the last episode that Ben and I just did um, that is already out now for everyone where we got to kind of rehash all the good and the bad of the last few years in both of our experiences. I hope one of the things that people took away from that was the importance of having fun in this activity. 
Invitationals are a chance to try things out, to try and do what's fun. And I think you will notice that the teams that do really, really well are the teams that are having a lot of fun. So it's great to hear you say that. And I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think you can attribute a lot of success to teams that do that. But speaking of all these invitationals, we've got so many to look at. Um, We're not going to be able to get through all of them. I know right now there are people that signed in that are listening to the, I don't know, signed in for what, that are listening to this podcast, (laughs) that are hoping we're going to talk about your team. If we don't, I'm sorry. It's because we really specifically don't like you and knew that you were doing that and and wanted to single you out. Um, Obviously not. We're doing the best we can. There are a lot of invitational results and we're going to try to talk about as many of them as we can. But um, Ben Wallace, you're from the South. We're going to start there. I know you've been to a lot of these different tournaments, but let's go ahead and start in the very first uh, tournament, I think, um, at least major tournament in the South, and that is Elon's Carolina Classic. Um, Ben, I know you told us that you were, in fact, there. Um, You watched a few rounds and you competed in one. Um, If people look at the tab summary, they can see that the top teams there were Florida, Emory, and Florida. Um, So, you know, pretty terrible programs there. But Ben, let me kick it to you. Ben Wallace, let me kick it to you. Uh, what what did you notice of the teams that you saw there? Obviously, it's a very, very early tournament, but see anything interesting or any teams that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, every team that that we saw was was really, really strong. I was actually really impressed with how coherent so many of the, the teams we hit, like how strong their case theories were this early in the season. Because like you said, Drew, it was one of, if not the first invitational, especially in the South that came out. And and everyone was really, really strong. The the case theories were tight. The witnesses were re- were really good. Um, teams that stuck out to me, though, I mean, you had the usual like Florida was fantastic at that tournament. The team that I was with hit Florida, and, and they performed very, very well. Um, Emory was also there, and and was as they always are a very, very strong program. Like you said, I think they placed second. Um, Duke also is not listed on the the top five, but was incredible that weekend. Um, so I think those are the, the big schools that I that I saw. Oh, also another noteworthy team is Georgia State. Um, South Carolina hit Georgia State the first round at Carolina Classic, and they were excellent. They were excellent. Their case theory was straightforward, and their witness portrayals were awesome. So I think those were the big schools that were top performers of that tournament. Yep, I think that makes a lot of sense, Ben. I think those are teams that we we come to hear a lot. Um, it's good to hear that the folks over at Georgia State are doing well. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to um, a, a slightly later in the circuit tournament, but another one that we know you were at, and that's the Colonial Classic hosted by William & Mary. Um, here we had Patrick Henry coming in first, followed by American, and rounding it out, we had Boston College, who... Um, obviously being a Northeastern school coming down for it and, and having a pretty good showing, obviously. But Ben, you competed there. Tell us what you think. Yeah, we had the benefit of hitting the, the top team, Patrick Henry B, um, our second round at Colonial Classic. And they were excellent, as they always are, clean and sharp. Um, I think Ben Crosby was the coach of that team. And his sister, Sarah, was also on that team and was an excellent witness in that round. Um, but at, I mean, I was just floored by how strong Patrick Henry's program was that early. It, I think it was the first invitational my team went to. I don't know if they had gone to an invitational before that or done scrimmages, but they were really, really good. 
um, apart from Patrick Henry, we saw William and Mary um, Dickinson. We also saw Dickinson. Isaiah Benuelos was excellent. He was in that round against us. So I think those three schools were were pretty solid competitors at a at Colonial Classic. And I don't want to gloss over the fact that you obviously um, did very, very well personally there, got uh, got a couple of awards, um, which is always very, very impressive. Um, so shout out to you. But one thing <laughs> I wanted to address about South Carolina specifically at this tournament, um, through your first three rounds, you guys had an overall point differential of just plus one. You had three ties, a win of two, and a loss by one. I'm just going to kind of ask the generality. Do, do you have any thoughts on on just how tight those ballots were? Um, I mean, that that's just pretty crazy to me, um, seeing it be that tight. And again, being still at a fairly early on tournament, but clearly very, very close rounds. Yeah, I, it's a joke among my team right now about how many ties we've had competing this semester because it's more ties than I think I've probably had in my <laughs> entire career competing in AMTA. It was so many. and. I think it speaks to the the nature of this case where there's just so many different routes that you can take with it and so many mm. different witnesses that you can call, theories that you can run that just makes these rounds really challenging for teams to adapt and make things different. And I think when you do have teams that are adaptable and are changing things in round, the ballots come out to those minus ones, the ties, the plus twos. Mm-hmm. And I mean, me and my co-captain, Tyler, we would walk to the tab room and it was just, I mean, we opened up ballots and we were like, wow, three ties in one tournament. That's <laughs> insane. People are lucky to get one tie, but it was definitely, definitely close rounds the entire weekend. Yeah, that 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 feeling of like having one of those tournaments where it's just like everything is so incredibly close. Um, you know, I've talked about on the show, but last year at Orcs, we had a double tie and it's just one of those things where it's like, what do you, you know, what do you even say? What do you even do? Sometimes these rounds are super close. Sometimes they're, you know, we had that and then we had a round in round one at nationals against Stanford with two ties. And that was a round where I remember walking out thinking, well, that could go either way. And it turns out Mm -hmm. the judges agreed, (laughs) um, or I guess, you know, disagreed because it went neither way. And, you know, I totally, you know, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I do want to roll through. Um, we have a couple other Southern tournaments here to flag. I know, Ben, you were at one of these, so we can kind of pause and talk about that. But I want to roll through a couple other sets of results here. So uh, we had Classic City, which is uh, Georgia's tournament. And there was a six, uh, a four-way tie at six wins first for first through fourth, uh, which was broken in that order. Uh, first was Georgia Tech, then Florida, then Georgia, then Duke. Um, so, you know, four fantastic programs there. Uh, Tobacco Road, which my team uh, went to and competed at, You've, your top teams there were UCLA, coming a little ways to, to compete at Toro, Duke, uh, and Florida. And we've heard Florida's name a couple times now. Uh, Peach Bowl, which we'll pause at in just a second. Ben, I know you were there. That's Emory's tournament. And in order, we had Georgia, Hillsdale, and Emory at that tournament. Uh, and then last, we have Grand Ole, which is Vanderbilt's tournament. And uh, the winner of that tournament was UT Chattanooga. And then there was a huge six-way tie for, or a huge five-way tie at six wins for second place between Washington and Lee, Georgia, Rhodes, Michigan State, and Ben's own South Carolina. Uh, so a lot of really, really good teams in there. You see Florida's name a couple times. You see Emory's name a couple times. Uh, you see Duke's name a couple of times. 
you know, there's a couple other really strong programs in there. Obviously, we've talked about South Carolina. But uh, Ben, let's talk about Peach Bowl for a minute. You were down there and, and competed at that tournament. So what did you notice from, from Peach Bowl from the teams that you saw there? Yeah, so from Peach Bowl, I think the biggest school that that stood out to me was the the team that ended up placing second and it was um hillsdale i have not had any experience with hillsdale we haven't hit them at any invitationals we haven't um really faced them at all because they're they're so far away from us um but they flew down to peach bowl and we faced against them second round and i was like floored by how fantastic they were i mean they were genuinely probably one of the best teams that i've seen in the fall this so so far they were really really well structured and they had a really strong grasp on the case materials and and the rules of evidence so i think out of everyone at at peach bowl because it was a really really impressive field there were a lot of uh returning nationals teams um and a lot of notable names who came to the tournament i thought hillsdale was probably the best team that we saw at that tournament and it was obviously reflected in the results that's interesting. I definitely feel like they're a team that's garnering more attention over the last couple of years. And so it'd be it'd be fascinating to see in, I mean, what is a very difficult region to break through? Although, where exactly is Hillsdale? I don't know that off the top of my head. Um, do the, we know that? I think um, that I think they were the like unofficial host when it was in um, Michigan. Yeah, Hillsdale's yeah. in Michigan, I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay, so so yeah, so I mean, you mentioned that they flew down. So this is not their region, but they flew down, and it'd be really interesting to see uh, how they continue to perform. Um, I will mention as it relates to Toro, because like I said, I had a team there, um, and the Duke team that took second place. Uh, we played them in round two. They were excellent. Uh, they were exactly what you would expect Duke to be. They were technical. They were sharp. They had really interesting arguments, interesting demonstratives. Um, just just a really, really good team. I had a younger unsacked team at that tournament, and it was like a really tough challenge for them to go against uh, a strong Duke team. We didn't get to see UCLA, but I mean, you know, we'll get to the West Coast in a minute here, but but not a surprise at all to see a team like UCLA manage to come across the country and still dominate at a, at a really tough fall invite like Toro. And then I'll say this to kind of wrap up my thoughts on on this region, because I say it every year because I want them to keep inviting us. Uh, <laughs> I think Toro is sneakily one of the best tournaments in the country. They run such a great tournament there. We had a, a really fantastic time. Um, ben Wallace and then Drew as well, I guess. Any other thoughts on what we're seeing from the fall so far before we move to talk about um, Drew and I's region in the Northeast? I was just going to say, I, w- I would echo... Uh, and your your point about Toro, I was not at the Invitational, but every single year we go to that Invitational, all of our competitors come back with glowing reviews of the tournament. I mean, the courthouse is just absolutely gorgeous, yeah. and the field is always so so competitive. Um, so I, I would totally echo that. I think Tobacco Road runs or Duke runs a, a fantastic tournament. So my thought on this so far is we have said I don't think we have a single eight and O team so far. These have all been really close, really tight tournaments where you've just, I mean, Ben, you talked about the um, the huge tie we had at Grand Ole Tournament. Um, I think Toro was uh, a good cluster there at six wins um, for the, you know, those three teams we listed, UCLA, Duke, and Florida, all had six wins and it was just a CS difference. I mean, it's very clear to me that there's no 
clear outliers of just people dominating the field, it seems very, very competitive right now. And just really quickly, while we're on Toro, because I thought this was kind of funny when I was looking at it, but in in round one, you have UCLA um, sweeping UVA. Then in round three, you have UCLA getting swept by Duke. And then in Duke in round four gets swept by UVA. So you've got this kind of full circle, whoever I beat loses to the team that I, you know, like it's just kind of a, I love that kind of triangle, obviously all three phenomenal, phenomenal programs, um, but just kind of an interesting, uh, you know, kind of shakedown of the results. And as we've said, with how close everything is, those probably could have all gone either way. Um, and, and I just think it's kind of funny to see that type of triangle uh, action going. But yeah, I think that we've kind of covered it. I think as you can tell, we're talking about a lot of the teams that one would expect to be great here. But I definitely appreciated what you said, um, Ben Wallace, about Hillsdale. Um, that's definitely a good one to be on the lookout for. And uh, I'm glad we know now to be on the lookout for Hillsdale. Yeah, no, that's definitely like the type of insight that we look for and that that these are tournaments that obviously Drew and I weren't weren't at and so you know it's good to get that insight so i'm gonna go ahead and move us to the northeast here and we've got four tournaments in the northeast that we've flagged so i'm gonna kind of roll through these results and then i can talk a little bit about charm city also ben we might have i know you weren't at that tournament but one of your teams was and we have some questions there so in the northeast uh we had happy valley which is penn state's invitational top three teams were tufts patrick henry and tufts uh, so, you know, strong performance there from two of the absolute elite programs in AMTA. Charm City Classic, which was my tournament over at UMBC. We had South Carolina, Virginia, and Brown were the top three teams at Charm City. We'll, we'll loop back to that in just a moment. Uh, jumping back to uh, Tufts, to the Mumbo Jumbo Invitational, in order we had Yale, Wisconsin, and Tufts. And then lastly, uh, but certainly not least, we have the Black Squirrel Invitational, which was Haverford's tournament. And we had Yale. William and Mary and Stevenson. Uh, so some names here that we see a lot. Tufts, Patrick Henry, Yale. Uh, not a huge shock to see any of those. UVA, not a huge shock to see those on the list. Uh, and then I will flag Wisconsin. We'll, we'll get back to Wisconsin when we get to the Midwest. But any team led by Kate Hayter, Kate Hayner Slattery, that team obviously continues to have tremendous success. So certainly not a surprise there. Um, but... Uh, uh, ben, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. I know that it was not a team that you competed on that came to Charm City and won the Charm City Classic, but that had to be very exciting. So, so what was your what are your thoughts on um, uh, South Carolina coming in and winning Charm City? Yeah, I mean it. It was incredible. All the credit for that win goes to 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 that team. They were captained by our, our vice president James Bray and um, our uh, recruitment chair Ava Baber and they did a fantastic job prepping for that tournament and going, you know, we've been, as I'm sure you're aware, we've been going to Charm City since I think 2019, which we, I think we got second that year. Um, and it's a very long distance to travel for us, but we really enjoy the tournament and we just continue to go back. And they were so happy when they won it. And I was so proud of, of that team and how well they performed. Um, because not only was it their first invitational, it was the first invitational for probably half the team ever, like half the team on, or half the competitors on that team had not competed in a collegiate mock trial invitational and, and they went and did incredible. So we were very, very proud of them. Yeah, I can say from from being there, they certainly did not have an easy path and, and they fought their way through and did a really fantastic job. So you definitely should be proud of them. And, and, and we're thrilled to have South Carolina at Trump City. I hope you guys 
keep making the trip up because you make the tournament better. Uh, Drew, what what did you hear either about any of the teams on this list? Or obviously, Black Squirrel was one of the tournaments we read, and I don't think you were you were there, but I'm sure you were tuned in. So, so what did you notice about these and and about what happened at Black Squirrel? Right, I I was honestly really hoping to make it out to it. I couldn't, unfortunately, this year just kind of too crazy of a time uh, back with law school. But um, that is actually where the Tulane team ended up competing, um, both at Black Squirrel and at Charm City. Um, so I know a, a little bit about how they did and, and their results. Um, I'll also add that I, I just I really wanted to highlight that when we look at the fact that Tufts got two teams um, in the top three at Happy Valley, and then at their own tournament at Mumbo Jumbo, um, we mentioned that their team was in third their B team was in fourth and, you know, again, stacking, they had two teams in the top four. I just think that there is something absurd about having that, that level of depth that you're able to put together, you know, two teams at the same tournament that are competing at that high of a level. Similarly with Yale, you know, I talk about all the time, Yale's got two teams doing really well at mumbo jumbo, their B team, again, B the second team that was there got sixth. I mean, it, I just can't even fathom having one team getting an award there. The fact that they have two um, in a lot of these cases is just blowing my mind. Um, I think that you guys have kind of hit a lot of the teams that I think are, are noteworthy in this region. Um, obviously, we kind of talk about them a lot. Patrick Henry always is so good. I'm glad you mentioned Wisconsin. I mean, I love seeing, you know, these new programs really grow and, and flourish. And as you can see, they are doing just that. Kate Hanner Slattery, as you said, Ben, knows what she's doing. Um, I think Brown showing up at Charm City and getting third, definitely really good for them. I have a, a few uh, students that, that I taught and are now competing there. So happy for them to have some good results. But yeah, I think we mostly covered it. I will... I, guys, I know that for everyone listening, um, there are a bunch of other Northeast invites that we didn't cover in these four. Um, we kind of tried to to do a representative group um, from some of the uh, competitions that have a few more of the nationals uh, regulars, but we know that there are a bunch of other tournaments. And to all of you who went to a tournament that might have been a little smaller and won, congratulations. That's seriously a very, very big accomplishment. And you should be very excited about that. We're sorry we don't have time to cover all of them here, but um, we just kind of wanted to highlight the ones that, that you know, were in this representative group. Um, I'll give it back to the rest of you, but if not, we can move on to the Midwest. Yeah, all I'll add on that last point is is I know exactly how that feels to be a team that's going to some of those smaller tournaments and doing well. And it's not a sign of disrespect. It's just a sign of needing to, you know, the the Northeast has the most invites by a comfortable margin. We we this episode would be five hours long if we tried to go through all of them. Um, but you know, there's tons of really great tournaments. Um, you know, just looking at the list here of of all of these really great tournaments hosted by Binghamton and New Hampshire and Dickinson. Um, you know, and, and St. Bonaventure and Rochester and, and Penn and all those great tournaments. So teams that did well there, you know, like Drew said, congratulations. Um, in a second, Drew, I think you should take us to the Midwest. But uh, Ben, any of the teams in the Northeast list, obviously you talked about your team doing well at Charm City, but have you happened to run into any of the other teams on this list? Anything that you noticed about uh, who's cleaning up in the Northeast so far? 
Um, the only team in, in the the top three or five that I've had the opportunity of hitting is William and Mary, who plays second at Black Squirrel. Um, and, and they were really, really strong when we hit them at their own tournament, which it speaks to itself to be able to perform well and run a tournament at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I haven't had the opportunity to, to to face off against a lot of the the Northeast teams that have done really well. We had a team at um at Mumbo Jumbo this year. Um, I think they placed fifth. Yeah, fifth. Um, and they had an incredible time. They hit great teams. They hit Harvard, Yale, um, Penn State. And I think from what I heard about the tournament is all of those teams were really excellent. Well, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, those are very, very strong programs. I'm glad you mentioned Harvard. Um, while I haven't gotten awards uh, at any of these tournaments yet, you know, they're the defending national champions for a reason. I'm sure we're going to see good things to come from them. But let's go ahead and move on to the Midwest. And again, just as a disclaimer, I know there are a lot of different tournaments in the Midwest. We're not going to be able to cover all of them. We're going to do our best to cover a few representative ones. And let's go ahead and start it with the Illini Invitational hosted by University of Illinois. In first, we had Ohio State, followed by Northwestern, and then again, Ohio State. Next, we're going to move to the Arch Invitational hosted by Wash U in St. Louis, where we had Wisconsin again coming in first, followed by Cincinnati and then Rhodes. And then we're going to go to the Husky Cup hosted by Northern Illinois, where we had Michigan State coming in first, followed by Notre Dame, and then rounding it out at Wheaton. And then last, we're going to go to the Mock at the Rock, um, which was just this last weekend, hosted by Northwestern, where we had Michigan in first, followed by Cincinnati, and then Wash U St. Louis. Um, I think these are all teams that when I think of elite teams in the Midwest, these are the teams I think of. Um, they are really, really solid. I don't have a ton of surprises. I unfortunately haven't gotten to see a lot of them go. Um, obviously, we, we already spoke about Wisconsin, but coming in first at uh, the Arch Invitational is great for them. Um, you know, I feel like Notre Dame has been up and coming for a little while now, and and seeing them do really well is not surprising at all. Um, Ohio State, you know, I, I highlighted it last time when Tufts had two teams in the top three. Ohio State doing it, um, definitely very, very impressive and very noteworthy. Um, I, I'll kind of toss it to you guys um, and leave it kind of open. Any of these teams surprising? Any of these teams you guys wanted to highlight if you've seen any of them? Yeah, I'll jump in here. So we've seen a few of these teams. We're in the the sort of funny position where the only team between us and Northwestern and TPR is Stanford. So if we're at a challenge tournament, we the last two tournaments we've been to, we hit Northwestern in round one because we just end up playing them because they're next on the challenge order. So they are they are excellent, sharp, really smart theories. You know, we learned a ton from those two trials. Um, we did have a chance to see Wash U. They're they're you know excellent, unsurprisingly, just very very good. Um, I haven't seen any of the other teams on this list, but none of them certainly surprised me. Uh, The one interesting thing that I'll note about the Midwest, and I think that a lot of our listeners are familiar with this, right? But the team that I think, given that they're coming off of a national runner-up, it's fair to say is at least more recently kind of the dominant team in this region is UChicago. That school runs on the quarter system, not the Mm -hmm. semester system. So they get a late start. So it won't really be until these upcoming couple of weeks that we start to see what Chicago's got. Something tells me we'll be seeing their name pretty frequently, but mm-hmm. it is always interesting to me with these results that they're not really out there at all because of their their uh, semester schedule or their quarter schedule. But yeah, noting Wisconsin winning Wash U's tournament, 
Um, I always think Northern Illinois tournament is interesting because I think some of the the really big names. I'm not saying that in terms of prestige, but in terms of names you hear commonly, like don't don't go to Northern Illinois, and so you see teams like Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Wheaton, who are excellent, excellent programs. Um, Michigan State was at nationals last year. Notre Dame frequently at nationals. Wheaton, you know, on and off at nationals. So seeing them succeed is is certainly not a surprise. And then Drew, you kind of mentioned it when you were talking, but Rhodes, um, seeing them come to the Midwest and do well, just you know, not a surprise at all. Uh, ben, anyone on this list that you've seen or anything you know about any of the teams in the Midwest that that you can give us some insight on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a surprise that Wisconsin continues to do well. Um, with their strong nationals run last year, I'm I'm not at all surprised that that they're yeah. performing well. Um, one school that I I I like seeing on the tab summary is Michigan. I know that Michigan like barely missed out on nationals last year, um, and I know obviously they won mock at the rock. I think they also won Case Western's tournament, the Spartan Throwdown, um, which I could be wrong, but I, I think it's the second year in the row that they've won that. Um, so I think it's. It's really impressive that even after a year where, you know, the result might not have been what they wanted, they're still coming back strong and, and taking on the circuit and obviously doing very, very well. Um, Rhodes, we have not had the the pleasure of seeing yet, um, but I know that they were at Peach Bowl when we competed, and I think they placed really high. So again, it's it's not a surprise that they're doing well. Yeah, and I pulled up the the Case Western tab summary while you're talking about it, and it's <laughs> it's four names we've already heard. It's in order: Michigan, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Ohio State, Wisconsin. So like the rich the rich get richer when we add that <laughs> yeah, one to exactly. the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, Drew, any anything on on your end with any of these Midwest teams, but besides what we've talked about. I'll say that the the last thing I'll note is Ben, you brought up uh, Chicago and the quarter system. I think that it it really highlights Northwestern performing as well as they did as well. Northwestern also on the quarter system, still getting it done at University of Illinois tournament, which was I believe in the end of October. Um, so they did not have a lot of time uh, to prep for that, and that is a really really impressive showing for them for sure. Um, and I will quickly shout out that I have a couple students on the Chicago team now, and I've been talking to them a lot. I know they are really excited. I think that they just um, competed for their first time this last weekend. So we'll definitely start getting some Chicago results in soon. And I, I think, Ben, I think you have a, a good idea of what they're going to be doing. Yeah, I feel like winning is what they're going to be doing yeah, a lot yeah, of. Um, probably, they, probably a little they, of that, a little, little of this, little of that. <laughs> Uh, before we move to our last region, Ben Wallace, anything else for any of these Midwest teams or did, did we pretty much cover it on your end? I, I think you guys covered pretty much all of it. I mean, Northwestern, I, I hadn't even thought about the fact that Northwestern was on a quarter system and was still like absolutely yeah. killing it at invites. Like that's really, really impressive. I also think it's super impressive that they were able to host an invite like mm-hmm. that quickly after starting school. Like, I mean, we've been planning Soda City, which will happen in, uh, this weekend for a while. Um, and I have no idea how they would do it in a shorter timeline than what we have. So, so kudos to Northwestern to be able to put on a tournament that quickly. Yeah, I totally agree. As, as all of us know on this, on this podcast episode, hosting tournaments is very difficult and to put one together, you know, with that little time is, is not an easy feat. Well, we have one more region to talk about, and we have a lot less to talk about in this region because there just aren't that many tournaments, but we're going to head out West and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the teams that have been doing well out there. The primary tournament we're going to look at is, um, and 
I will admit that maybe I'm a little biased on this, but I think the best named tournament in the country, which is Ampty, the average American mock trial invitational hosted by UC Berkeley. Um, and the teams, the top teams in order there were Stanford, UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon. Um, and then really the only other West Coast tournament, at least, and we should say the caveat of the tournaments that have posted tab summaries on AMTA's website, if there are other tournaments out there that are prominent that don't have your tab summary on AMTA's website, we don't have a way to talk about it. So that's why we're not talking about those tournaments. Um, so University of Oregon hosts a tournament um, and they did very well. I believe their teams took the top two spots it's a little bit of a difficult tournament to talk about because and this is not a shot at oregon but oregon had seven teams at that tournament i think geographically it's very difficult for the teams in the pacific northwest to reach each other and so i think they kind of have to condense everything down to one or two weekends um in terms of the results at empty like stanford and ucla doing well not even the remotest bit of surprise right like just Duh, you know, like this, you know, if if, if that's what we were going to talk about in this podcast, it'd be a very short episode. Um, I'm sure that as you know, things go on, I believe that's that at least a few of these West Coast powers are heading to DC this weekend mm-hmm. for Gamtee. So I think we'll get some results there. Um, I will say, you know, I was going to kind of say this earlier about Florida, about Tufts, about um, UCLA, about Berkeley. These are all teams, Stanford too that have hovered around the final round for the last Mm -hmm. several years. They've gotten close. They've been like, you know, second, third, a ballot or two away. And I'm always kind of looking at this point in the fall season, which one of those teams is ready to jump up and be Mm -hmm. that team. You know, we've thought about it with Florida. Obviously, Tufts has come close. Um, UCLA has one of the most prestigious histories in this activity, but it's been, I think, about a decade since they made a final round. So, there's a lot of interesting things here. Uh, Drew, I'll kick it to you first. Anything from the West Coast results that stood out to you? Well, like you said, I mean, this is kind of the teams that are really good and they're doing really good. Um, I think that <laughs> as we talked about with average, you know, you've just got Stanford and, and UCLA. And, and I mean, I think it's impressive for Oregon to be among those teams. I mean, that, that is a really, really elite field and just a crazy competitive West Coast tournament. And I think that Oregon, um, as you talked about how deep they have so many teams, but I don't normally think of them as uh, as breaking it to, to orcs or nationals as often, but good on them for having such a strong showing. And I, I think it is just funny. I want to highlight, I mean, you, you talked about the fact that there are seven teams um, that were competing at Oregon. I can't imagine what it must be like to try to manage seven different teams as a single program. Um, it, you know, that just sounds ridiculous. But one other uh, just kind of massive team that I want to talk about uh, is if you look at Penn, um, their invitational results, they had a Brandeis G listed. And just doing some quick math, that means that that is the eighth team from Brandeis. If they are um, listing them correctly, I guess maybe you could just say we don't want an A, B, C, D, or E team. We want an F and a G team because we're like that. But I would assume that means that they have eight teams. And Brandeis is a school with 3,500 undergrads. Like, do all of them do mock trial or something? Like, I'm just, how are you getting eight teams there? But um, definitely just kind of a funny uh invitational result to see that they have that deep of a program um and as you said ben i mean a lot of these really good programs are really really deep and it is always impressive to see that um i'll lastly just come back to stanford being first and third at uc berkeley's tournament is i mean that's 
about as good as it is even possible to do. So definitely, if there's one of them that we're thinking right now, could they be the one that breaks through? Maybe it's Stanford. Uh, but with that, um, I'll toss it over to you, Ben Wallace, specifically. Um, do you got anything to add about the West? Obviously, as we said, not a ton of results and not, maybe not teams that you see all the time. But if you have, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I'll note from uh, the average American mock trial invitational is, and I don't know, obviously, how the University of Southern California's circuit works or how they go to invites, but they did not attend this invitational, mm-hmm. but they did go to Peach Bowl in Atlanta. So hmm. I, I find it, and I think we saw the same thing with, with UCLA at Toro, is a lot of West Coast schools are starting to come over to East Coast or Midwestern tournaments to compete, mm-hmm. which I, I think is incredible. I think it's beneficial to everyone involved. It'll help East Coast schools get a, a better understanding of West Coast mock trial and West Coast schools get a better understanding of East Coast mock trial. Um, but I thought it was really interesting to not see Southern California on this tab summary, mm-hmm. but they did fly out like across the country to Atlanta to compete at Peach Bowl. Um, so I, I think that was just one thing I noticed from the tab summary. Other than than that, I think one thing that's really important to notice is Stanford, the team that went seven and one, is just how they didn't. It wasn't that they like did well. It's if you look at the ballot percentage or the the ballots that they won, it's double digits all the way until the end of the round or the the, the round four. It's plus 35, plus 13, plus 13, plus 17, plus 25, mm-hmm. plus 19. Sounds I mean, like they're pretty bad, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it was like that's the biggest thing I noticed. Just not only that Stanford did well, but they did incredibly well at a very, very solid invitational on the West Coast. Yeah, that's a good point. Like they their only close trial was when they got to round four and they played UCLA. And you had the UCLA team that took second and the Stanford team that took first. And they did a plus four minus four, true plus four minus four, true split. Um, yep. And UCLA ends up taking second place with a CS of 23. Um, <laughs> so clearly had some 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 interesting results there. Um, I'll just add very briefly as we wrap up, Ben, I could not agree with you more. I love it when we see West Coast teams come over to East Coast tournaments. If we're on the challenge order and we've got a West Coast team anywhere near below us, I'm probably going to want to challenge that team because like, you know, no offense to like GW or something who's a fantastic team, but I don't really need to see them again. You know, or like we've now hit Northwestern a couple of times in a row. The more we can see UCLA, I was so thrilled at nationals when we hit Stanford and it was like such a contrasting styles trial. So I totally agree with you. We're heading out West for a tournament later this year. And obviously finances and health and time are all like really important considerations but the more that we can have teams crossing the country to play each other i think the the better that this activity is for it you know i want to add just one last thing looking at the tab summary and and ben wallace i appreciate you you mentioning that spread that stanford had but uh it's kind of funny ucla only had one team but you see that that one team had to run the Stanford gauntlet. The only two ballots they dropped were in splits with the both of the two Stanford teams. That's why they end up six and two. In round three, they're facing Stanford. And in round four, they're facing the other Stanford team. Um, so just kind of a funny little gauntlet that they had to run there. Um, and and I, I think that I'll lastly just echo what you guys said. Love seeing teams from around the country competing. We want to try to highlight when we've got, you know, oh, this team's coming from out of nowhere to come to a South tournament or to a Northeast tournament or to the Midwest. Um, That's great. We love that. We want to see more of it. And um, 
I, I think to a certain extent, it makes some sense to me that if you're going to fly anyway, wouldn't it be more fun to fly to some very different place, face very different teams than you would otherwise get to go against? I feel like that logic makes some sense to me, but I'm an East Coaster, so it's it's hard for me to relate. Yeah, no, I, I think I appreciate that you know, we have all of these other results for all these other regions, but for Amti, we just really have the, for the West, we really just have Amti. So we're like, we're going to parse, we're going to find meaning in every yeah. single matchup from this tab summary because it's all we got. Um, well, to wrap us up here and, and Ben, I, I have one last question for you in a second, but um, we've got some exciting tournaments coming up this coming weekend. If you all are hearing this on our usual Friday schedule, we are like right up against Gamti, so we'll get the results from what I think everyone pretty much agrees is the top fall invitational. Uh, Penn State will be there defending their title, and, and that should be a fun weekend. I'm excited to take our freshly stacked A-team to D.C. to compete at Gamti. And then we've got a lot of really exciting tournaments. Ben, I know you've got Soda City coming up uh, this weekend. So as we wrap up, let me ask you this, sort of a two-parter. Number one, you got to be excited for Soda City, so, so tell us about that tournament and what you guys are looking forward to. And then, you know, give us your preview for the rest of the season. What are you keeping an eye on as we start to get into the late fall and January invites? And then, you know, before we know it, it'll be it'll be February and we'll be in the AMTA season. Yeah, I mean, for Soda City, I, I love hosting Soda City. It's it's so much fun. Um, it's always the last invitational we have for all fall, uh, even stack teams. Um and it's always like after my team's last tournament. So it's really nice being able to go from like competing almost every weekend to go to hosting a tournament. Um, definitely not any less stressful, but still very fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're really excited. We will be in a courthouse this year and we have a bunch of really fantastic teams coming to South Carolina to compete. Um, so I think it's going to be a great weekend. It's, it's always really cool to go and watch rounds when you don't have to compete in them and just being able to see like what other teams are, are, are um, doing, like how other teams are changing things up. Um, and it's also really nice to be able to see our own teams that I haven't been able to see um, other than like through film um, compete in person in South Carolina. But in terms of uh, what to look forward to in the spring, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited for what will hopefully be an all in-person um, spring season. I don't think we've had that ever in my collegiate career. Like, I don't think I've gone through a season that's been completely in person yet. Um, invite to regionals, orcs, and nationals. So I'm I'm very excited to to get the ball rolling in the spring. Go to some spring invites. Go to regionals. Go to orcs, and hopefully go to nationals. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's always the goal, right? And it's uh, it's going to be down in in Memphis this year. Um, definitely going to be a lot of fun. Um, Definitely can't wait till we start getting into the empty season, but um, I would be remiss if I didn't briefly plug the fact that, again, um, Tulane is hosting a tournament this year. Um, both myself, a good friend of yours, actually, um, Jacob Smith of South Carolina, and then Kalen Gross of UGA Mock Trial, who ran um, their tournament for a few years. The three of us are coming together, running Tulane's uh, new invite, and we would love to have more people coming. It's looking like a fun field already. We've got lots of fun stuff planned. And if you need a tournament in this, in the uh, like right before regionals, January um, time, then definitely shoot us an email. Um, we would love to have you guys. And yeah, that's my, my brief shameless plug. It's January 14th, 15th that weekend. 
Well, it sounds like we've got a lot of exciting things uh, to look forward to over the next couple of months. I hope, Drew, that that tournament goes well. And Ben, best of luck with Soda City. One of these years, you guys invite us every year. One of these years, we're going to get down there because I've heard nothing but great things about that tournament. Uh, As we wrap up, Ben, it was really great to have you on. Best of luck to South Carolina this year. Um, We appreciate you sharing your insights on what you and your teams have seen. and, And thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As we wrap up, we do want to take a moment to thank our gold patrons. We love our Patreon and Discord communities. We've got a lot of cool things coming up for each of those communities. And so I did want to thank Don Martin, Ben Ratsum, Felix Bhattacharya, Henry Lehman, Kate Hainer-Slattery, Andrew Hinckley, Ian Lampert, the, fr- the family of Daniel Sosa and Darius Baruch, and Mike Romano, as well as all of our other gold patrons. We are so appreciative to each of you for supporting the show. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, we love these episodes. We are so excited to see what's coming next as we finish up the fall invitational season. Best of luck to everyone out there as you finish your fall season, and we will be back in your feed very soon. Until then, this has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew.